Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. Welcome citizens once again to a brand new episode of New Amsterdam Radio, six seasons strong and rolling. Lobo here in the mayor's office, a very dreary week here in the city of Angels, Los Angeles. And I have a little bit of that mix because the other inspiration for the show in the city for creatives, New York, uh, got treated to a visit by yours truly. Went back there a couple days ago by the time you hear this one, about to see the family and all that and see a really, a city that never sleeps, you know, that whole New York City vibe. Love it. It's in my veins. Brooklyn born and Brooklyn made as you like it. As always, I got to give you a big thanks to check out this podcast. I mean, there are literally 400,000 podcasts in the United States and 120,000 of those are active. You're spending some time with me and that means the world to me. Share the show if you like what you're listening to. Let people know how dope it is to be able to listen and peek into the insights of those who have made the jump into entrepreneurship or creative projects or work without sacrificing what makes them unique. Oh, of course, newamsterdam.com. Learn more about the show, all that jazz. My guest today, Joe Town, is someone that I kind of met through the more professional channels. His people talk to my people, if I could be so bold. And I could also say that my people is just me because I'm a one-man operation. But besides that, Joe Town has done it all in Hollywood, being an actor, being a producer, uh, being able to help other people realize their maximum potential creatively was what I said I need to know more about. So without any further ado, my chat with Joe Town, but I'm lying, one, one, one little to do, one little, one little to do. I'm available on Twitter at Boys. Let me know what you think of the show and who do you want me to get next? If there's someone that's been rattling in the back of your brain, you're like, man, I want to know how Flobo can really get inside their blueprint, you let me know. All right, now, all out of a dues. My chat with Joe Town. <laughs> Welcome back to the Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creative. It is I, the mayor of Lobo Boys. Uh, almost choked on my iced coffee, <laughs> as you can tell here. But I'm being joined by someone who's doing big things. Co-found the Performance Mindset, Joe Town. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> Excellent, Flobo. How about you? Sorry to throw you on right before we started. No, it's cool. This is actually because I'm trying to wean myself off of energy drinks because I'm about that life for a long time. So I'm, uh-huh. I love hot coffee. I love the the culottes or frappuccinos, but iced coffee has been a thing. So I get like the whiskey flinch, even though it's just coffee. It's like, oh, man. But uh, <laughs> what about you? How do you keep energized? Are you a coffee person? <sighs> You know, I, I do like a sort of homemade version of a bulletproof coffee. It's weird. I make it in an uh, Italian espresso maker okay. and I throw in some ghee, some some cinnamon, a little bit oh. of manuka honey, and I blend it all up with some almond milk. Um, That's like super bulletproof. I thought you just yeah. call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> I just do one of those in the morning and, and sometimes a yerba mate or a dirty chai in the afternoon if I'm really feeling like I need an extra kick. Oh, I know that. When, when does morning start for you? 5 a.m., 7 a.m.? Today was uh, around six. Yeah. Okay. And you do the whole like stretching out thing or you do the meditation thing. How do you get your day started? Yeah. You know, um, right now I'm taking notes. I'm anyway. balancing um, 
the things that I have to do to help get my son up and out of the house at a certain time with like time for me. So yeah. I used to have like a whole thing that I would do maybe like sometime doing a mantra meditation, doing some journaling, doing some kind of connective tissue to things that matter to me, intentions, gratitude, uh, something greater than myself, um, setting some kind of intention for the day. And I've been craving figuring out what's next. Sometimes yeah. my routines make me um, feel really safe. And sometimes they, they, they sort of feel like a little too much of a comfort zone. And then I want to shake it up and try something new. And I'm, I'm kind of in the midst of craving to shake it up. I think that's what makes us true intellectuals, right? It's not necessarily knowing stuff. It's the pursuit of, of trying new things and, and making mistakes and all that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. the thing that I keep reading about, I, I've been too chicken to do it as a structured thing in my home, Ooh. is uh, the hot, alternating hot and cold. So the last thing I read was if we leave the shower on, you know, if you don't have like a plunge pool or can't get that much ice, um, you know, you just turn the shower on real cold and you leave yeah. it going for 30, 40, 45 seconds. Don't turn it back on hot. So let your body raise its own temperature back up. And that's where it does all the good stuff. It's where it helps burn fat, where it helps. Um, I think the alternating is great because it sort of sends the oxygenated blood to your extremities and back. Yeah. But uh, that's what I'm fascinated about trying. I, is that I am definitely too chicken for that. I live in Los Angeles. I don't even have central air in my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I mean, that's something I'd be totally, I, I, would, I would love to know the benefits, but I would do it myself. I would just be like, tell me more later. <laughs> yeah. 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 I got you. Yeah. So, so Joe, I mean, look, I, I'm looking at your docket here. You do a lot. And there's a question we have here for those of us uh, are on the show. How do you describe uh, what you do in what order? Like, how do you do your slashes? If someone's at a party and goes, Hey, what do you do? What do you say? Yeah. What a great question. Um, I think I would say actor, creator, coach. Okay. So I start with that because first and foremost, I'm a storyteller. Um, I've grew up in the theater and I've moved out to LA to do TV and film. And I've struggled with owning that word at different times. I think at the beginning, um, I didn't know if I could do it. And then I'd be at a party and somebody would ask, but I'd already see their eyes flicker over my shoulder to see who else was there when I yeah. started to answer. So I didn't even want to claim that word. Sure. And um, it's, it's who I am. Um, well, let me rephrase that. It's what one of the things I do that I'm most passionate about doing and bringing into the world. It's not who I am. Um, creator is telling stories that weren't created necessarily by other people. So I love the collaboration, getting to come in as the artist, but I also love getting to direct the stories. So whether that's web series, whether that's feature film, um, creating is essential to complement my time when I get to act. And coach is you know, really seeking to get better figuring mm -hmm. out the mechanics of better and then sharing it because first of all, I value um, anything that I stumble across. I want to share with as many people as want to hear it. And, and secondly, it also helps me sharpen and refine to be able to teach it. Yeah. So uh, I'd say actor, creator, coach. It, it's one of the most like nerve wracking questions uh, for a long time. I used to be a slave to it being, I'm a transplant, right? I lived in Los Angeles for mm, 15 years, I think. But, yeah. but yeah, there's that kind of like, what do you do? Like, Oh, uh, well, I have some things in a fire and I'm working. And I remember uh, when I was trying to do the day job and moonlighting as a comedian wedding DJ at the time that I would just say my day job because it, 
I knew it was boring enough that no one would ask any follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a salesman for test and measurement equipment, but I have this thing on the side that I'm passionate about. So the question I have for you is like, what was the moment in your life when you realized, oh, this is my passion. I'm I'm willing to share it with the world. I'm not gonna be embarrassed about it. I'm letting people know I love doing this. It's such a great question. And I, I don't know which hat you're referring to because they all sort of had different inflection points. Right. Um as an actor, the, the story sort of jokingly goes that I, I wanted to get into the television, that I ran up to it and I pointed and I, I was asked, how do I get in? So yeah. they had created such a compelling story. I think it was The Wizard of Oz. I was like, how do I get into this world? Yeah. So that was my first love and joy. And I would say 1999 was the first time that I was in the union and doing a show. And so that's probably when I fully owned that I was doing that professionally as opposed to having gone to college for it or gone to camp for it or just loved it a whole lot. Um, Creating came right in the heels of that because I never wanted to complain about the amount of auditions I was getting. I didn't like hearing that from other artists. And so I thought, well, I was encouraged to write. I remember my first book was Crayon. You know, I was five (laughs) or six. It was called The Rolling Flying Bag. Uh, very proud of that work. Epic. Uh, <laughs> I think I once, my mom was an artist, a uh, fine artist. And uh, I think I, I was offering portraits outside of her gallery opening for like a dollar. So that was mm. like my very first job. Wow. Um, so creating sort of always been encouraged and in my blood that way. And um, I think coach, you know, coach started when other people saw that in me before I saw it in myself. Yeah. Um, it sort of came to me for a long time as more life coach and then it became acting coach. And now it's sort of um, performance coach, but performance means a lot of different things. Yeah. So that's come together in the last five years. Let's talk about coaching for a bit. Cause it's like I kind of know, like, never like, Hey, look, I need help with someone. You call a professional and then they work with you, but I'm sure I'm oversimplifying that. What about coaching really makes you go, this is something that I can really help other people do, whether it is life or are they acting craft or somewhere in between? Well, I think what I'm lit up by is receiving people and meeting people. You know, I really, I'm, I'm so interested in hearing people that maybe aren't heard, mm-hmm. hearing the parts of them that they have trouble articulating. And so I practice and value deep listening. Oh, and then I think that's the origin of it. You know, I think the the I need to learn the learner before I can offer any insight or recommendations. Yeah. So everything is bespoke. Everything is differentiated depending upon what people are going through. And then I think the idea is to try to leave them one percent better than I found them. You know, and 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 better is subjective. So um, the idea is more ease, more mm-hmm. space maybe uh, feeling a little more hopeful and like there's a tangible tool that can be gone away and practiced. So that's the oversimplification maybe on, on my side of what I seek to do. Mind, body, soul, and more. Let's talk about the performer's mindset. It seems like the evolution of that. It's not only just coaching, but it's a whole different ecosystem of resources for people to really get themselves to the next level. Uh, What was the, the first idea, the spark that decided to say, Hey, look, we got to launch this project. Yeah. So Mindset is such an interesting word these days because I see it all over the place. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, mindset might have a connotation of, you know, a positive mindset or, you know, the sort of way we think. And that's a lot of it. But to me, it's everything. It's the way of life. Like the mindset to me is mind with a star in the middle and a set 
And it's everything that happens in our mind from the moment we get invited to an opportunity that we care about all the way through our moment of performance and then back again. And so what does that mean? It means that performers, there's plenty of places to train, plenty of good acting schools. There's plenty of good acting, uh, you know, colleges, universities, coaches that are out there and they're teaching craft. And I am at this point feel like actors know how to tell a story. Mm-hmm. They go to school or they go to training because they want to tell stories better. But what I started to realize is that wasn't enough. People were still psyching themselves out. People were still being confounded by nerves. Their head noise was happening before, during, and after. And I started to look to sport and sports psychology to try to help my acting clients. Uh, so I was a teacher and I was a coach at a Hollywood acting studio for 10 years. And wow. I started to realize like, God, what the cornerback for this fancy NFL team who's been studied to a T with billions of dollars of science is doing would be helpful when we go into a big moment. Actors need mental toughness. Actors need uh, help with um, focus, deep focus, understanding the science of why. And I think they can use some support training confidence because there's moments when we're not feeling confident. And to know that we can actually train it instead of it just happens to us Mm -hmm. is mind blowing. And so I think that um, our first program was really trying to support artists with all the intangibles, the waiting room, the car ride home. Like, how do we do best practices that help amplify what I'm doing and diminish the things that are noise? And within that class, we had an actor who also uh, was an on-air broadcasting host for a network. And he works with a lot of athletes. And he's like, you need to come in and work. There are these quarterbacks who are the top 24 in the country, and they're about to go be the QB1 at Alabama or UT or USC or wherever. And they're given an Instagram account with 70,000 followers, and they've never performed in their life. And Mm -hmm. this is sort of before they had the rights to their own image and likeness and the NIL sort of thing that was going on. I don't know if that's something that you're familiar with, but I know. So... I think that uh, getting to build a bridge between what artists do and what athletes do, meeting at the intersection of art and sport is where our first program was born. And everything that happened since then, all of our programs and and, uh, explorative workshops are really about deepening our understanding of science because we we want science-backed practices we can lean into and trust. And sometimes the science is about flow state. And sometimes the science is about how play helps us memorize better. But whatever the science is, it helps me trust it more and to understand how to weave it into what I'm already doing as opposed to feeling like I need to, you know, collect all the badges of the top 24 coaches that are out there. Right. Um, I think that's made a big difference. I'm, I, I, I love what you're saying because uh, I know, especially doing the stand-up uh, life, I would say people say, hey, is, is stand-up an art or is it, is it a commerce? You know, are, you, are you doing jokes per minute or are you doing a craft? And I was like, it's like, it's like an athlete. You have you, what you do and sometimes you have gutsy wins. Sometimes you have losses. It's been trippy to me. I'm not a traditional actor, <clears throat> never claimed to be. And I, I pro myself, I would not say no to any opportunities, right? If, if, if someone said, hey, look, you want to be the rock stunt double? I'm going to say yes, whatever. Um, but the one time I went in an audition, it was a couple of years ago, it was for a student film. I responded to uh, an ad and I went to just, just for uh, for funsies. And one, it was so surreal to see different versions of me in a room. Mm-hmm. Tall me, short me, fat me, young me, this is me. Like it's just like a weird alternate dimension. And two, I, I realized that you had 30 seconds to bare your soul and go, what do you guys think? We'll call mm-hmm. you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, I couldn't imagine people do that for a career. That blew my mind. Well, I think facing big moments is something that I think anyone can relate to. It's why we call it the performer's mindset is, mm-hmm. you know, you work, you have worked as a standup. You worked at weddings. You are a host of a program. Like these are things that you do. You got to get switched on for these moments and then ostensibly at some point come down so that you can recover and do it again. And the same is true whether you're a physician going in to deal with patients or you're getting on a plane for the first time in 18 months or you're coming out to your parents. These moments can have all sorts of pressure and head noise. And so how we do small things is how we do all things. So we can understand what our system is and then apply those tools to other parts of our life. I feel like um, perhaps it can bring a little bit more reassurance and, and peace or, or at least grace through the process, ease and grace. You said how we do small things is how we do all things. What? Yeah. You can't be dropping science like that. <laughs> is going. For, what does that mean? How do you apply that? I want to extract that. Yeah. So I would say that um, how we relate to people when we are um, feeling good about ourselves is probably true board, whether it's at our work or at the restaurant. You know that litmus test where they're like, uh, don't date somebody that's rude to the waiter, mm-hmm. right? Well, that tells you, like, your words give you away. So how yeah. we do one thing is how we do everything. So um, if we are systematic, perhaps, in the way that we approach um, our morning routine, you asked about that earlier. True. I imagine we'd be more systematic about preparing for our stand-up set or mm. for pregame before um, getting on the field. And so I'd like to think about the consistency of me. There's this amazing debate, I think, that embodies what you're asking about, which is there's a debate between a head coach and a sports psychologist. And the sports psychologist believes that there's no such thing as a big moment. He's like, now is all there is. So, you know, he's a mindfulness trained sports psychologist. So he keeps trying to get everybody to be level-headed and treat every moment the same. There is only now. So let's get really invested in now. The head coach believes in the optimization of self. He believes in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The idea simply that um, every moment is a big moment because every moment is an opportunity for us to be the best version of ourselves, to Mm -hmm. do things better than we've ever done them before, whether it's making coffee or whether it's doing our craft. Mm -hmm. And so what I love is that they both treat every moment the same, even though they have different approaches to it. So my, my curiosity then goes, so how do I treat every moment? Do I take yeah. moments off? Do I, um, am I thinking about something else instead of being here? How do I do the little things? Because the little things add up to the big things. Wow. Dang. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to learn a thing or two today. I mean, <laughs> Well, I like the way you say that because I do think it's a little bit of both. I know they're saying that, and I struggle with this too, being in the moment, especially again, using my frame of reference as stand-up comedy before the pandemic, there was this like this struggle of getting, doing the work to get booked. And then you mm-hmm. get booked and you're like, I got to give people a show. So I get booked again. And then you practice, 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 rehearse, rehearse, open mics, and you do the show and you already post-morteming, that's a word now, <laughs> in the it. car instead of being in the moment of, hey, look, I'm engaging. I'm alleviating the pain from others through laughter. And I feel like going back, I can accept that. Oh, I remember that night. But in the moment, it's it's never that. It's always like, 
go, 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 go. So it's kind of cool to see that, that little debate going on. That's pretty awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like for me, that moment you talked about afterwards, like I'm in the taxi and I'm doing my postmortem. There, there's something I want to uh, sort of pull on there for a second, which is mm -hmm. so often I would step off of stage, whether it went really well or it was a, you know, terrible night. Right. Uh, I was, I almost swore and I wasn't sure if it's allowed in your show. It totally. So, is. You're creative. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, if it's a shit show moment, like it feels like a noisy blur. Like I'm remembering all the things that went wrong. I'm thinking about what that means. I'm thinking about what other people are thinking about me and what that means. And so the, the invitation is to slow down. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you've lived in two big cities, LA and New York, maybe other ones too, like me too. You and I have sort of had those similar experiences and we kind of have to be fast. You gotta be fast to do stand up. You gotta be fast to live in a big city, a fast paced city like New York. And so there's a value in being able to go fast, but I think we have to go slow to go fast. Yeah. And I think for me, it's been about slowing down the noisy blur afterwards and realizing sometimes I'm trying to make sense of what just happened and I am so drained. It has been a day of noisy blurs, getting in the subway, getting over to this thing, changing in the bathroom, trying to get out there, navigating all the stuff of what's happening in the waiting room, going in, trying to be switched on. Yeah. given everything that I have. And then now I'm trying to make sense of what just happened. Maybe I need a smoothie first. Maybe I need to go <laughs> breathe in the park. Like, can yeah. I give myself a second? And I don't think we value that enough. So we start thinking about how do I do from a place of depletion and burnout? Whoa. Well, let's talk about this weekly smoothie we have. The Better Podcast, hosted by you, uh, Joe Town. Uh, I, tell me about this. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there and there's a lot of podcasts in your genre. But what was your uh, mission for this one and what you plan to do with your podcast now? Yeah, so I, a lot of it was a personal challenge. You know, I had to sort of take on a personal challenge because the space is saturated. And the thing that I'm seeking is better. And what I mean by that is like better relationships, better relationships yeah. to each other, to ourselves, to our health, to our well-being, not just our craft, but why not? And I wanted to learn from some of the top creatives that I was connected to about how they do certain things. And what I've noticed over the last however many years of coaching and the workshops that I do is I'm having all these conversations at a lunch or a dinner or in a workshop that's private or in a coaching session, and I can't share that information with the world. Mm. But I'm noticing themes and patterns. And I was pretty sure that that would start to happen when I talked to these creatives from different lenses. So I was like, what if the guy who was the head animator from Disney's Frozen had a similar practice to the former NBA trainer for the Philadelphia 76ers? Wouldn't that be interesting? What if a woman who writes books on Italian cuisine had something similar to the backup singers for Tom Petty and Leonard Cohen who had to sustain that for six years on the road? And so I started to think about this perspective, this constellation perspective. So if we could hear from 12 different people over the course of a season, what might that teach us about ourselves? And might it spark a conversation with the person sitting next to us or the person we're about to see in an hour or the person I have to look at in the mirror? Yeah. Because one of the things that we do is it's not just a fly on the wall conversation. I do my intense research. I go have the conversation and take it wherever it goes. But then I really want to go and study and research some of the things that came up because I want to learn. And then I want to share what I've learned. And so we go deep in some of these episodes about yeah. things that matter in the world. And so it's my hope to not only be learning and sharing, but sparking conversations about better. 
why do you think that is? And maybe this is a kind of like a, a weird like question, right? Esoteric, if you will, that, that there's a lot of content for mindfulness, but I do feel like it's a little bit of a surface level. It's kind of like, yeah, man, you know, just uh, you guys can do it. See you next week. <laughs> but you're saying you're actually going into deep dives. And I, I wonder why there are less outlets willing to take the plunge and why you are. Gosh, you know, I don't know if it's because I've spent so much time studying some of these coaches about how they handle questions about the other team is doing. But I think I spent so many years living out of a fear of other people's opinions. FOPO, if you will. Uh, that was a phrase <laughs> I learned. I did not make up. It's true. It's true. But I, I feel like um, the idea of what other people are doing is the least interesting thing for me right now. I, what, what I'm curious about is how, how we can do them better, how they can be meaningful. And, and I'm going to get feedback, right? Maybe people don't spark to the same thing that I do, but I had to do this. I had to birth this. I, it's so complicated the way I'm doing it too. Yeah. And um, what I'm finding is I'm, I'm loving learning and I'm making a ton of mistakes technologically and all yeah. sorts of things. And it's like surfing. On my 40th birthday, I went surfing. My, my friend took me out for the first time ever. You've lived in LA. Maybe you've been on a board. Um, I would never. No. Oh, you wouldn't do it? Okay. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> so I, I'm a tall guy. don't have the greatest balance. Uh, you know. And, and I was taken out for my birthday. And, and I, I realized a couple things. One, I loved being in the ocean out there, that perspective. And two, I loved being bad at something and not having my identity be on the line. When I was a kid, I didn't have a lot of confidence. I really struggled being confident. And so I didn't know I could be good at anything. Now I know there are some things that I'm pretty good at. And so the idea that I could see how terrible I was at this new thing I was trying and to notice the incremental like, oh, I almost stood up. Oh, yeah. I noticed my weight on the board. Oh, I didn't. I, I dove under the wave. I, I've improved. The improvement gave me hope. And I, I got so excited about that. And I'm, I'm hopeful that that's applying over not just to the theme of the podcast, but how I'm doing it at the same time. Uh, for those of you on the audio version, uh, I'm grinning like a fool uh, because I had a very similar experience uh, with the pandemic. With stand-up and podcasting, my face is great. Uh, one thing I picked up, my hobby was, yeah, it's amazing. Look at this. Ah! <laughs> I exfoliate, y'all. No, um, <laughs> but 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 the one thing I learned was video games, uh, esports. Uh, during wow. the pandemic, I was locked in all day, and I decided to become a, 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 a commentator. They call it shoutcasting in, in parlance. You basically, as you do John Madden does for football, you do it for video games. And mm -hmm. I picked a different name because I wanted to say I want to do something in my life divorced of the Flobo Boys brand. I want to suck at something. And it's very cool uh -huh. to hear someone's very similar with the same way of approaching it. And of course you become good at it. You're like, ah, I do this all along. But at the time it was like, I'm willing to be terrible at something because that's how I grow. I become a different person, a more rounded person. I love that. I'm inspired by it. And uh, you got such great energy. I'm sure whatever you apply it to, it's going to be infectious. And um, I think that it takes mental, I think mental toughness is not about showing my finished product and, and being flawless. I think mental toughness, we need to expand the definition of that to include raising my hand and saying, I'm overwhelmed in this moment, being vulnerable enough to say that was terrible and I'm not going to die because I said it. Like the idea of being vulnerable enough to take direction allows us to grow and learn and like you said, fail and then collaborate better. And, and I, I think that, you know, I hated feeling vulnerable as a kid because a lot of the kids exploited that and mm. I didn't have tools. And, and so I think I did anything possible to only show a certain side of myself. And 
I just really applaud the people that are being vulnerable in public in whatever that means, you know? Well, you know, you mentioned before that, that you will to learn and pursue and you are a deep listener and active listener. So, and also you don't want to be coming from a place from burnout. So what do you do to refill your cup? Do you just say, I'm not listening to anyone today. Like, how do you get yourself back in center on those days where you want to be able to recharge? Yeah, it's a great question because uh, I'll say like maybe two ends of the spectrum. So a few years ago, um, before we stayed home for a long time, uh, <laughs> sometimes I didn't want to go out and we had made social plans and I thought it would be rude to cancel. So mm -hmm. I remember one time my wife was doing self-care. She was getting a massage and I was in the car waiting to pick her up. And I was like, I could be on my phone right now, but what I really want to do is lay this seat back and close my eyes. Now, I always resisted naps as a kid, because I just wanted to be out there doing stuff and naps felt punitive, but it wasn't a deep rest, but that 10 minutes took the edge off for me. And I was able to hang for the rest of the night. And I was like, Hmm, I want to understand the science of that. So cut to a few years back, I was traveling with my company and I was doing 11 events in seven days. It was an extraordinary amount of work. And I was like, I am, I have to do what we teach. So I taught from Friday through Saturday through Sunday. And then Monday morning, I took a ferry, uh, which was so great to be outside, over to a part of Vancouver. And I went to a float spa. And oh, I yeah. floated in water, which is like sensory. They call it sensory deprivation. deprivation. Like torture. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> but I was in this very lovely room where I could like float and stretch out and listen to music for an hour. And before I did that, I went into an infrared sauna. And it was all right there in a big city. And I came out and I was recharged and I breathed some fresh air and felt some sunshine, ate a good meal. And I was good to go for the next two and a half days. And then on Friday, my buddy was like, we have to go up uh, to this spa that's out up in Whistler. I was like, okay, he kept, he wouldn't shut up about it. And so <laughs> he and our friend, Samantha and I, we went up um, to the Scandinavian spa and we did the thing I talked to you about earlier, which is we got into cold water. We got into warm and then we sat like out in the sunroom or in a hammock under a tree in a forest. And when you do this five rounds of this thing, and I felt so good, Flobo. Like I yeah. came back from it recharged, mentally fresh. It took two and a half hours. I ate a good meal and I came back and then I had to go 16 hour days, three days in a row. And so I think the, the two ends of the spectrum are what can I do in two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes? And what can I do in maybe like half a day that allows me enough recovery time. And I, I really think we have a lot to learn from athletes because they spend 17 hours in between games getting fresh legs for the next day. And if we just Netflix and chill or try to get a little extra sleep, it's not going to be enough to really fill the well when we have to be that locked in. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, you should be part of the Whistler Tourism Board. Like that—that that was like, go now. Let's that go. Was emphatic. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I want to yeah. go there and get some of the, that spy action. Why not? But you're absolutely right. In all seriousness, you're absolutely right that it, there is. If you are a performer, if you're a creative, there is a sense of dial-in nation that athletes have, depending on their level, what they can do, semi-pro, pro, whatever. But that to them is very, very important. I've just learned so much, and it's kind of interesting to see that some things I've done, thinking, oh, I, you know, maybe I'm just being crazy that there isn't valid from that but if someone is listening right now and they want all the joe town for themselves uh how do they go about connecting with you the performance mindset and your podcast yeah so on social it's pretty straightforward it's at me joe town so you can holler at me on twitter you can holler at me on instagram 
Um, we also have at the performers mindset on Instagram and theperformersmindset.com. So if you want to hear anything about the teachings, trainings, coachings, all that stuff, it's there. And if you look under podcasts, you'll find the better podcast, which is hosted first season is brought to you by the performers mindset. It's also on all the major platforms. So you can just look at the better podcast with Joe town and you'll see a nice little, uh, spiral logo. The idea of like, I think sometimes the learning journey, you know, when we look at something from the bird's eye view, it looks like we're walking in circles, but if we move our perspective down to the side, sometimes it's actually a spiral and we're just looking at it from the wrong perspective. Oh, wow. I totally interpret your logo completely different, but I, oh, I like, I was way. like, oh, I was like, oh, maybe it was like a Nautilus, you know, a symbol of stability in a time of, you know, topsy turvy waves, but that, like it. that's way better. That's way <laughs> yes. The better podcast. Learn more at the performersmindset.com slash the better podcast. Uh, new episodes are weekly. Joe, thank you so much for being on the name radio the podcast for creatives. Any final words before we get out of here? Flobo, your joy. And uh, I feel like whatever's in that mug, uh, I feel like you got to find a way to like put some of you into some bottle somewhere so people can take you home. Uh, yeah, you're, you're thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W-Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours. <laughs>